Today, I'm very happy to welcome an old friend of mine, Diane Wilhelm. Diane has a very special place in my heart because when Larry Strickland and I took our first ever lay speaking class, Diane was one of the teachers. And I learned so much from her. Thank you very much. She and Teresa Corsi did a great job. And, and Larry and I took two classes. And um, for a great place in my heart, that was an inspiration for Larry to begin his ministry. And we all know that that has been a great blessing in all of our lives that, that know him. So um, Diane has been a teacher. She's no longer doing that. But she's a, great, she's a good speaker. And I think we're going to have a blessing from her words today. So, Diane, if you'll come and give us your words. Good morning. Um, it's always a blessing for me to be an Alpha. I feel like Alpha is kind of like my home away from home because I've been here for many, many meetings with UMW and other things, and I've seen some faces and some people that I haven't seen in a while, so I'm glad to redo some acquaintances and, and even to make some new acquaintances. So thank you, and Sorry that I'm here because of your uh, illness in the Patrick's family, but I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be here with you today. When your pastor called me and asked me if I would speak, I said, oh, well, it's Father's Day, so I'll speak about fathers. And then I was getting ready for our Bible study that we have at Bethesda, where I'm a member, and some of the ladies in there had asked that we talk about heaven. So I thought, well, heaven is my father's house, so why don't I just talk about that? Because what better thing to talk about on Father's Day than our Father's house where we all want to be there one day? I would like for you now to listen as I read the words of Jesus Christ as found in John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know where I am going, and you know the way. May we pray. Heavenly Father, you are such a gracious God, and we thank you so much for your word, for the promises that we find in your word. Father, today we ask that the Holy Spirit come to be with us, to be our teacher and our guide, to reveal to us the words of promise that Jesus gave to his disciples so many years ago. We thank you today for our earthly fathers, and we thank you for being our eternal father. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've already said, today is Father's Day, and I, I was thinking about, I was thinking about my own father, and I was very, very privileged to have my father for 67 years of my life. Now, my father was a very unique person in the fact that he only lived in three houses during his full 95 years of life. The one he was born in, the one he grew up with, in, and the one he lived in with my mother for 72 years. Well, not quite 72 years, get a little bit ahead, but seven, around 72 years. But anyway, these three houses were all within a stone's throw of one another. And so my father never really left home his entire life. He did go 
to the other side of the world to China and Burma during World War II. But other than that, he stayed right there in that same, same little area of South Carolina. The other thing about my father was that my father said that whenever it was Sunday or the doors were open, we had to be in the Lord's house. So we were good Baptists. We went to church two times on Sunday, on Wednesday night, and whenever there was a revival, we went six nights that week. Now, as kids, sometimes we'd say, we don't want to go, but we did. And now, you know, I'm really glad because what, what they taught me, what my parents taught me was to love the church and, most importantly, to love God, who is our Heavenly Father. So I'm very, very grateful that, for that upbringing. My dad passed away in 2017, and I had the responsibility of calling some of the relatives to let them know. And when I called one of my cousins, the first thing he said to me, wow, he and daddy are sitting up in heaven just to talking. <laughs> well, I got this huge mental picture of my father and my uncle sitting on my granddaddy's front porch just talking away. However, it was my uncle who was talking and my daddy who was just nodding because my uncle liked to talk. But anyway, I will tell you this. Of anything that anybody said when I lost my father, it was that because it just gave me this really nice feeling to know that my cousin thought so much that his father and my father were sitting up there in heaven talking together. Promises about heaven are so important to us today as we live in the turmoil of the world in which we live. But there is one thing that we can always believe in, and that is the promises of Jesus Christ. The promise that he made in that upper room was not just for those 11 men, but for all of us today in the year 2022. He told his disciples he was going away, but for them not to worry because he was going to be in his father's house. And not only was he going to be in his father's house, but he was going to prepare a place for them and for us. Now, these particular words are actually about the rapture of the church. And if you think about the rapture of the church, that is a time whenever Jesus comes with the sound of the archangel and the trumpet to call his church home. We are his church and we are his bride. And so this is based on the Jewish tradition of how they did their marriage customs. The bridegroom and the bride would become engaged. Then the bridegroom would leave the bride-to-be at her father's house while he went back to his father's house to prepare a place for them. The bride herself had no idea when the, when the groom would come back. She just had to wait, and then one day, very unexpectedly, he would come for her to take her back to his father's house for the wedding, the wedding feast, and for them to live their lives together. And that's basically what's going to happen for us when Jesus Christ comes for, for us at the rapture. Now, if you're like me, you say, what is this place Jesus is preparing? Tell me something about it. Well, we don't know a whole lot about it, but the, the only thing that we do know is what Jesus revealed to John the Apostle that is recorded in the book of Revelation in chapters 21 and 22. The first thing that John saw was a new heaven and a new earth. God will at some time renew this heaven and renew this earth. 
He said, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there is no more sea. This new heaven and new earth will be perfect. Why will there be no more sea? Because in the Bible, the sea is symbolic of chaos, confusion, and false religion. So you won't find any of that on the new, new heaven and the new earth. Basically, that's all the Bible tells us about the new heaven and the earth. But the next thing that John saw was that he saw a city, which he called the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, if you think about it, if a, when a bride gets married, she puts on her beautiful wedding gown, everything is ready, the groom would wait at the altar, and she would come down the, down the aisle to him. That would be a bride ready for her husband. So symbolically, this building, this city is made beautiful for us to live in because we are the bride of Christ. That is where we will live forever. The next thing that John heard was a very loud voice saying, Look, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with, him, with them, and they shall be his people, and he will be their God. The absolute best thing about living in the New Jerusalem is that we will be with God, and he will be with us. Not only will we be, be able to talk with one another, we will also be able to talk with Jesus face to face. The next wonderful thing about heaven is that God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. Take a moment. Think about a life with no pain, no sorrow, no death, no tears. Then John gave us a vivid physical description of this holy city. He said it was showed the glory of God because it was as clear as crystal, and he used the term jasper, which most of your commentators think jasper is actually the diamond. But the most important thing about it is that we will be able to see the glory of God because it will radiate through these clear crystal walls. Now this wall will be very high, 1,400 miles high. It will have 12 gates. At each gate, there is an angel. The names of the 12 tribes of Israel are written on each gate. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. Each gate is made of a single pearl. I just cannot even imagine how that's going to look. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on the names of each foundation were the 12 apostles. The foundation of the city were garnished with all kinds of precious stones, I think this beauty must be breathtaking because these, these stones are of all colors that you can imagine. To me, it's like you would be looking at a prism when the sun is shining through that prism and just sparkling colors everywhere. So I just can hardly wait. It's just too much for me to imagine. This city that came out of the heaven is actually a cube. It has equal length, equal width, and equal height. 
And there was an angel who was with John, and he measured this city with a golden rod, which measured in human measurements. So today we would say it is 1,400 miles in length, in width, and in height. And to give you some perspective of that, if it were to land on the United States, it would go from Canada to Mexico and from the Appalachian Mountains to the California border. And besides that, that's just the ground floor because it's going to go up 1,400 miles. I think there's going to be room for everybody. Then, this, then the angel measured the wall itself and found it to be 200 feet wide. Also in this city is one street, and that street is made of transparent gold. Actually, the city itself is made of gold, transparent gold. The only thing I can think, to think about is Ephesians 3.21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine. I could not even think of asking for a better place, and I cannot even imagine how beautiful heaven's going to be. If you think all the way back to Genesis 1, you remember that God created the heavens and the earth. And the very first thing that he created was light. And that's because human beings cannot live without light. Neither can plants or animals. Remarkably, the New Jerusalem does not have the sun or the moon because the glory of God is its light and the Lamb is its lamp. The gates will never be closed because there is no night and there will be no evil. If you can recall what Jesus Christ said while he was on earth, he is the light of the world, and we see this most vividly demonstrated in the New Jerusalem. And as I said earlier, there will be no sea, but there is a pure river containing the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. On each side of the river is the tree of life, which bears 12 kinds of fruit, one for each month. And on the leaves of the tree is for the healing of the nations, for there is no more curse. The curse that we saw in Genesis will be reversed because now we live with Jesus, who is the ultimate physician and the one who brings us the living water. The next question most people ask about heaven is, what in the world are we going to do there? Well, we all like to keep busy, but one of the things that John saw when he looked up into the New Jerusalem was that everyone in the New Jerusalem was serving the Lamb. The Lamb was Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing, but this is what I think. I think that God will develop all of our spiritual gifts so that they will be developed to the fullest, so that while we're in heaven, or when we're in heaven, we will be doing the thing that we like to do the best and the thing that we can do the best for his glory. One of the things that other things that we will be doing will be worshiping. There will be no temple because God himself and Jesus himself are the temples. We will worship them forever, 
And what this worship means that it is our state of attitude, our state of being. It's not that we go to a special place or a special time as we're doing now to worship, but worship will be a part of everything that we do, a part of all of our work. And as the old song says, some sweet day we'll sing up there that song of victory. We've had our quick tour of our Father's house. So let's go back one more time to the upper room to be with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus told his disciples, you know where I'm going and you know the way. Then Thomas said, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way to get to this beautiful city, this place so carefully prepared for us by Jesus Christ himself. The way is precise. The way is specific. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will have eternal life. All who enter the new Jerusalem must trust Jesus and receive him as Savior and Lord. Only those who believe one day will see Jesus face to face in this beautiful city. It is my prayer today and my hope that one day, one day I'll see each one of you in heaven. And we will know each other actually because I think in heaven everybody's going to know everyone else. And we can just sit and talk, kind of like my daddy and my uncle might be doing. And most importantly, we will be with the Lord forever. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. What words of inspiration to lift us up today.